Hello and welcome to the Cytokine Signaling Forum author interview podcast. I'm Professor Peter Nash from the University of Queensland and today I'm talking to Professor Vivica Strand from the Division of Immunology and Rheumatology at Stanford University. And we are discussing her paper recently published that evaluated the relationship between rapid three response at six months and long-term disease activity in rheumatoid. Welcome Vivica and thank you for your time today. Can you help us a little bit and tell us about this study and what you aim to do with this study? So these were the, the two phase three two-year studies from the development program of tofacitinib. Oral START, which was tofacitinib monotherapy in methotrexate naive patients where both doses were compared with methotrexate. An oral scan, which was a combination study with methotrexate, tofacitinib 5 or 10 milligrams with methotrexate versus placebo plus methotrexate in methotrexate IR or GMART IR patients. And both of them were 24 months because they had x-rays at 0, 12, and 24 months. So what we were looking at was the RAPID3 data. We were looking at RAPID3 scores at baseline six months and 24 months. And we were essentially looking at what happened based on responses at six months by either remission or low disease activity and what were the results at 24 months. And did you think it was a good idea to mix a study with quite short disease duration, 60% of start were less than two years, with scan which sort of had eight or nine years disease duration. Did that matter? Do you think that affected any of the results? Of course. So first of all, the, the average disease duration in oral start, as you pointed out, is somewhere between 2.7 and 3.4 years which is very different from SCAN, which was 8.8 .8 to 9.2 years. And thus we would expect, and we saw, that there were much lower remission and low disease activity rates at six months in oral SCAN than in oral START. But we thought that comparing these two populations was of value. Okay, and can you tell us a little bit about the RAPID3 and compare it to CDI? Do you think many people outside of the U.S. do the RAPID-3? Well, that's a really good question. <laughs> I don't think I want to speculate on that. <laughs> but I, I will say to you that we wanted to see the difference because we'd already published these results using CDI responses at six months. So we'd actually already looked at whether CDI remission or low disease activity at six months predicted radiographic outcomes, meaning no progression, and normalized hack scores at 24 months. And we saw that in fact they did, and that the majority of patients who were in low disease activity or remission at six months uh, were in remission even at 24 months in both studies. Now obviously, as I said before, there was a lower percentage who were in low disease activity or remission at six months in oral scan. Now, we know that the RAPID-3 is basically a U.S.-based measure. It's entirely composed of patient-reported outcomes, so patient global, patient pain, and HAC disability index. And each of them are scored from 0 to 10 
can convert the hack score to zero to 10. So you have a total of 30, and then you define disease activity levels for rapid three. Remission is less than or equal to three. Low disease activity is three to less than or equal to six, uh, excluding remission for these analyses. Moderate disease activity is greater than six to less than or equal to 12, and high disease activity is greater than 12. And these are somewhat comparable to CDI response levels, although, of course, the CDI has four components, which makes a difference. When, when people criticize rapid 3, they say that hack might become increasingly irreversible if you look at long disease activity. Do you think that's a valid criticism? Well, I've listened to this criticism for a long time, but actually I'm not sure that I believe there's such a thing as a damage hack or an irreversible component to hack. Because the, the patients that we see nowadays in trials have actually been fairly well treated even early in their disease. So although I think that the questions in the hack may be less relevant to today's patients, I, I don't believe that there's such a thing as an irreversible component to the hack. Okay, and the other thing that people say is that there's a somatization comorbidity phenotype. Jerry Curtis published something last year about it, claiming that if there's a lot of depression, fibromyalgia, damage, that you know, purely patient-reported outcomes will lose some objectivity. What do you say to that? Well, I'm I'm certainly not in favor of using only patient-reported outcomes. But we thought that this was a reasonable analysis as a comparison to the CDI paper. And we thought it was also important based on what we hear about how patients are monitored in the U.S. Uh, so we thought it was uh, of interest to see how comparable these data were to the CDI analysis. I would and, certainly sorry. agree that actually both should be measured. And can you tell us a little bit about the results then? Yeah, so the results were actually very interesting. Um, and I can give you, first of all, the, the high-level results, and then we can go into the lower-level results. Okay. So in the oral START, the methotrexate-naive patient population, rapid-3 remission and low disease activity were significantly higher for both doses of tofacitinib versus methotrexate at 6 and 24 months. And there were very different uh, numbers of patients, very many fewer in the methotrexate group. In oral scan, the rapid three low disease activity and remission rates at six months were significantly higher for tofacitinib 10 versus the placebo patients. Um, and they were numerically higher. In both trials, we also saw numerically higher rates of rapid three remission and low disease activity with total 10 milligrams versus five milligrams at six and 24 months. So that was the sort of high level results. What we, what we also learned was that patients who achieved rapid three remission of low disease activity at six months had clearly greater improvements in rapid three scores at 24 months with more of them going into remission. And this was uh, compared with patients who achieved moderate or high disease activity. We saw that more than 50% of patients who, re who received tofacitinib had rapid three and CDI remissions at two years. 
Uh, the CDI improvements at 24 months were numerically greater in those patients who had achieved rapid three remission or low disease activity at six months. Those who were in rapid three remission or low disease activity at six months reported normative HAC scores less than 0.5 at 24 months. And they were also the ones who had no progression in modified total SHARP scores at 24 months. In other words, a change of less than or equal to zero. So what about all the way through, we noticed that you have, that there is a dose response with 10 milligrams twice a day, uh, being more effective at five milligrams twice a day. If someone is not in LDA or emission at 24 weeks, is there any room to consider a dose increase? What's the implication for what you found? For the practicing clinician. The other side of the coin is well, if they're not where they, they're not where they should be at 24 weeks, if they're an MDA or HDA, do they consider a change of therapy? Well, I think that that's a question that these analyses can't answer because unfortunately there was no dose flexibility in these two studies. I think we know from the long-term extension that there were dose increases, but unfortunately, without the 10 milligram dose being approved in the U.S., we really don't have the data to support the recommendation that you're suggesting. Okay. And what about it? I would agree with you. I would agree with you that all the patient-reported outcomes, um, not just the rapid three, favor the 10 milligram dose. And when there has been some flexibility in dosing, I think that we know that people who are not responding as well as we would like do increase their response with a dose increase. Do you think that if you're not where you should be, low disease activity or remission at six months, change treatment? Well, I think that's a personal choice. Um, and I think that that also could be an alternative plan. <clears throat> Just because if you look at those beautiful graphs, if you're not where you want to be, your chances of getting to LDA or emission is, you know, really quite small. If you're not, right. if you're not there for six months. That's right. It's very clear that the, the data favor the remission low disease activity at six months, and that when you look at the 24 month responses, you see that they are increasing but they're certainly not increasing in the same level in the MDA or HDA patients. So I agree with you. Okay, and any, uh, finally, what, what kind of implications would you tell the clinician from this study? Should we start paying more attention to PROs which you could leave in the waiting room and make sure they get done? They're simple, they're quick, um, better than doing nothing, which most clinicians probably do nothing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's very true. Okay. And I think that in general, it's very quick to actually score a rapid three. And what about um, any other take-home messages from this study? Anything else that you see as a, a lesson for the practicing clinician? Well, I do think that these comparability of results to the CDI results that were published previously are important. So I think that it's supportive of using some type of measure, as you mentioned. And of course, CDI is, is fairly easy to use, 
um, but some may find that rapid three is a, is a simpler measure. As you said, patients can fill it out in the waiting room and it's easy to calculate. Either one is a good way to monitor patients and their responses by six months, certainly, certainly at three months, you should know with a jack stat inhibitor, whether they're responding. And I think their responses at six months are quite predictive of longer term outcomes. Okay, thank you very much for your time and trouble. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you.